And that jarring cacophony tells you that, once again, you're back with the Power of Three podcast. The Doctor Who podcast that likes to discuss, discourse, digest, and disagree as we make our way through the universes of Doctor Who. I'm Kenny Smith. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We also like to deflate, to <laughs> deject, to demolish, to denote, to deputise, to deplore, devolve, to dissect and distend and also and we do it under we do sometimes we do it under duress <laughs> we do like the letter d because you're dave <laughs> yeah kenny loves the d <laughs> that's one for our youtube viewers there with my reaction to that so yes anyway moving swiftly on uh, today we are here to celebrate 600, nearly said 600 years, 600 issues of Doctor Who magazine. God, 600 years, and we've just had the 60th anniversary issue. That is super wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. 600 years of Doctor Who magazine. Wait, right, when would that be? That would be in the year, um, what, I on 2579, yeah. Daleks yes. Invasion Earth 2579. Make sure you join us again in 2579 when we sell up for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like Futurama, uh-huh. who were just heads and tanks bubbling away. Yes. Yes. That'd be funny. Mm. Anyway, would... yes. 700 issues of Doctor Who. It feels like two minutes since issue 500 came out. And about 25 minutes um, since issue 400 with David Tennant in the cover. Yeah, and issue issue 500, was that when PCAP recreated the cover of issue one? Yes. I was trying to remember. I remember buying issue 100, I remember, right, I remember when issue 100 came out, going up to the shop, the paper shop up the road. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, listeners, that's what people in West Central Scotland called news agents, we call them paper shops. Um, going up to Jamesy's, yeah, that's what it was, up to Jamesy's. It was issue 100 and my mum had given me the money to buy it and it was more expensive, so I didn't have enough money, so I had to go back down and beg for the extra 15 or 20 pence. Yep. And, you know, Mama Steel being Mama Steel, she wasn't happy. Yes. And that horrible logo with a little a little burst of yellow say magazine coming through the O and in, in O and a picture of Colin and Nickel on the cover. Issue 150, I remember I was in sixth year by the time that came out. Issue 200, the David Whittaker one with the Alistair Pearson cover. Yes. I didn't buy at the time. Um, I, it was during a period, a, a brief period when I wasn't buying the magazine. That'd be about 94, Dave. I think about 90, I want to say until the end of 93, but I could be wrong. I could okay. be wrong. Someone can tell us. Issue 300, I can't remember. What was issue 300? When was that? Oh, goodness. I, thankfully, I've got my DWM someone, index here. Someone quickly Google Doctor Who magazine issue 300 cover. Hi on, Dave. I've got it here. Right. It was... 300 was Paul McGann in it. a free CD with Storm Warning on it. Ah, and yes, Last of the Titans. 
that rings a bell. See that doesn't that doesn't even feel that long ago either. No, scary. Um, but remember, yeah, I mean, issue one hundred and fifty is the one that sticks in my head, and issue one hundred, um, issue one hundred and fifty, that daft cover with the big one five zero in yellow. Yes, I think and I'm in. I think what, I'm in that. Oh yeah, my name's in that because I think it's so like the DWM season poll, and I think I'm quoted. Right, about something in there saying Sylvester and Sophie were really good in season twenty-five. So, yeah, um, sure, that's the case. Yeah, I think um, was that was that the first time you were in Doctor Who magazine? Yes, it was. The first time I was in it, um, they did a, an article called. Um, it was must have been about I think it was about ninety-seven. Do you remember mm-hmm. I talked to David Allington quite soon after it happened? The the night there was a do you remember there was a sort of like quiz night stroke auction stroke raffle night downstairs in that pub yes the iron horse yeah um and i remember talking to dj about it or doctor magazine did this article called 20 times you know when you're watching the greatest tv series ever made and they invited reader submissions and i wrote in and sort of said i really like the bet and ghost light when sylvester talks to sorry i'll rephrase that when seven, bleh, oh. when the doc talks to Ace, um, the whole burnt toast bus station, bus stations speech, mm-hmm. lost luggage, um, and they published my my thoughts on that one. And I, I remember just being like, oh, oh. and I've ended up the last few years I've been in it a few times because they published a few of my tweets and they published my letter praising Lou Stringer about a year ago because I was on Time Hop the other day, and then of course when, um, as we talked recently. Your brown article with the Glasgow police boxes a few years ago, oh, and I my phone back and that, you know. So I've, I've, I feel in a tiny way I've contributed. <laughs> Definitely have. I mean, I've, I think the first one I got was the issue when it sort of told us that there'd be the new companion who I believe you would pronounce as Turlog, uh, and Turlo. <laughs> I think that was <laughs> one of the first issues I got. So that'd be around seventy odds, right? Did you have any of the weeklies? Did you buy any no, of the weeklies? No, that was I didn't. That was sort of before my before my time. See, because um, I I remember it. I remember the magazine starting. I remember um, my mum reading something in the, that she'd seen reading out something she'd seen in the paper because I, I was reading superhero comics by that point. Reading some of the comics that Pete and I will be doing on the Earth Two podcast before too long, and. I remember my mum sort of saying, oh, there's another comic starting. I was like, all right, for what? And she's like, something that you watch on TV every week. And I was like, well, well, who? Um, and she was like, um, you know, Doctor Who. And I don't think I got issue one, but I had a couple of the early issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was a long time before I did any others. I remember seeing a couple in shops and I was on holiday in the early 80s. But the first sort of one that I got properly before becoming a regular sort of Reader was the the Planet of Fire photograph of Anthony Ainley, which is yep. r- issue I want to say eighty four or something, which randomly turned up in um in another paper shop that we were in. Eighty seven, Dave, and it was it's like eight, eight seven. Yeah, sounds about yep, right. Very close. And and then over the over the summer kind of thing, just sort of nag, eventually sort of nagging my mum, and eventually she let me sort of um order. I must have. I might, maybe I'd stop. Maybe I'd stop buying, getting the eagle bought for me or something. I can't remember. But um, she eventually let me, you know, order it from the the paper shop up the road. And the first one I got as a regular, um, I think I was in primary seven by that point. It'd be the Terror of the Zygons cover. Okay. Yeah. And I remember getting 
the one with the cover for, for the for the five doctors with um the four of them standing in Rathlone's tomb the same day as they got the issue of tra- the UK Transformers which had the the cover with um the kind of yellow cover so must issue three or four of the UK Transformers ah. so yeah got lost in my head from 40 years ago usefully absolutely that was issue 95 with the five doctors portal and the zygons was issue 93 i've got i don't know the but i do know quite a lot off the top of my head but i do have as our youtube viewers can see here doctor magazine the index which i keep Ah. actually i actually keep this under my monitor because it's very handy when you're doing podcasts and you want to know what did the dwm review have to say about the ancestor cell or whatever it may be so yes always handy to to have it uh, nearby but no it's been a big part of my life over the years I mean I've you know carried on buying it when I was at uni when I moved out went to Inverurie I'd you know, get it ordered into the Strachan's news agent in Inverurie and get that in the specials and uh, carried on buying it and you know, never missed an issue you know got all this you know, everything pretty much and got the DWM like those the special complete history books from the archives compiled Andrew Pixley's work and many many other great writers contributing to all of those and it's something I look forward to every month particularly the previews and things like that and the one thing is just that I mentioned there wonderful wee slices of history because you can go back and you can see what contemporary reaction was to whether it's TV shows the books the audios whatever and all sort of presented yeah. in a rose-tinted view in many ways when you look back on it now but yeah, yeah. always interesting to see yeah that's why you know, things like that that's why on, on the Earth 2 podcast with uh, another plug the thing that Peter and I do Peter had the idea to do it which is we, we kind of read out the the letters pages from the period fantastic you know, because it gives you an idea what people were saying about them at the time, at the time and what the priority was um, and Dr. Mises, like I mean I can remember I remember a couple of years ago posting a Twitter thread because I was I had a few issues of about a year and a half's worth of DWMs to add to the, the pile. Two two piles now. And I was just going through them all. And I could remember like so when I bought and when I picked up so many issues, like there's an issue with the Brigadier doing a sort of your country needs you sort of poster. And I remember buying that in Norwich. The one for the next doctor, when my mate Dave Morrissey is standing sort of pushing DT to one side. And that was the, that one came out the day I fainted in the shop, and oh. they said my flatmate Robbie Smith to buy it <laughs> for me because. <laughs> and then four oh three, Dave. Other, you know, pick. You remember? I remember um, the run about the time I got my first DVD player. Which ones were you know? Which ones were coming out? And I remember the Blue Peter celebration issue came out when I was working in um, in HMB Soggy Hall Street. I remember the issue with the Christopher Eccleston interview coming out when I was working in HMV's Co-Bride. You know, that sort of thing. It's, it's a, they're, they're a nice little timestamp for our own lives as well, you know? Absolutely. Did you buy things like the classic comics issues? Oh, I bought, at the time I only bought a couple, but I got a, I have a full set which I kind of picked up within a year or two afterwards. Um, that That's a thing like, you know, I would love to take someone to task and sort of see if you find out if Panini still have the rights to all this sort of stuff and could they do some comprehensive complete reprints please because I'm sure I'm sure there are a lot of people like me that would like to read them absolutely classic, classic comics was brilliant there was some amazing stuff in that yeah I think you got to the book um, The Doctor Who Comic Companion by Paul Schoons no I'm aware of it it's very good um, am I right in thinking it's only it's only available as a download 
No, you can purchase you can purchase it from Telos Publishing, David J. Howe and Co. Okay. at telos.co.uk. Plug plug. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was some right, that's maybe just something I've um I've misread or kind of <clears throat> misremembered. No, that's something that that's something I've been aware of, yeah. I should track that down, you're right. Yeah. It's one that I know you would enjoy. But I mean, even now, I still look forward to it. I mean, you're a subscriber, aren't you? Yes, I started subscribing um during lockdown. Um, one of the first ones I got, I remember, was actually issue 550. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Baker's celebration issue, where um, amongst it all, there was a, I suppose you could call it an interview with Tom Baker. <laughs> <laughs> cheeky David, um, very cheeky. Yes, I know. I know. Yeah, this is, yeah, I've been a subscriber for, I suppose that's been nearly four years. And it's, um, yeah, it's good. I mean, I think... <clears throat> the first few months it never turned up on publication day and there's been a couple of times when it's turned up on the Wednesday the latest one last you know the most recent one just came out the other, the other day there that um that arrived on the Friday but I, I, I've there's a sort of worrying thing that's sort of started developing in, in recent times is that when as soon as people get the new issue of the magazine they'll blub all the exciting news all over social media and or they'll post Full pages of, of of um of the comic strip or panels from Lou Stringer's gags or, you know, I think some I think some people like to kind of they like obviously you know people like to share the news if there's big news coming you know what I mean, but I think oh, sometimes I like I like to think no it'd be nice to just be able to read it for myself you know first yeah, of all absolutely I mean that's yeah. the thing I mean having I mean as you know I've worked in magazines I've worked in newspapers and. It is important that people actually buy them, if rather than sharing the content for free, because a lot of time and effort goes into these. This is exactly. something that Darren Scott at SFX and I've discussed. Well, um, exactly, yeah. Buy yeah, a magazine um, hashtag is what we're saying there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I um, I remember when when Darren had these was the the first. So they've done a few big emphasising Doctor Who issues recently. But I bought the one they had with um with DT in the cover. Because you have, I mean, it's, you know, and, and I'd seen by that point people posting, you know, screenshots or screen grabs or, you know, scans of some of the pages. And I said, well, it's, you know, that's no use. That's not going to, you know, it's, here's the thing. The phrase my Uncle Peter used to use, it's, and I pardon my French listeners, he used to say it's like shitting in your own bed. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't support something or if you're quite happy to bootleg something or just, you know, and if some if some like a magazine doesn't get the regular income or doesn't get the money from sales, or whatever, because people are just pirating it or take you know, just reading what other people are posting online, the magazine you know if it loses enough readers or doesn't sell enough copies, you know it's nothing's permanent. You know what I mean? It's economics. Mm-hmm. They've got to sell so much or so many to to remain viable, and I don't think people understand that. And you know it's unfortunate. A lot of magazines are a bit pricier than used to be. I mean, I bought Mojo last week because I had a Paul McCartney cover. I'm a sucker that way. Yeah, six pounds five, and it's like. It's not as thick as it used to be, and I was just like, uh, so I mean, I can appreciate it. I know some people might be resistant about, you know, forking out for DWM or SFX, but, it, you know, I'm not going to lecture people. It's up to yourself, but if you want it to keep going, the best thing you can do is buy it. Exactly. Same with Big Finish, same with Blu-rays, everything else, 100%. I mean, things that, first thing I usually turn to, comic strip, particularly after Liberation, um, and I love the reviews. I always like to see what they have to say about the Big Finish stuff and to see how much I violently disagree with them um, and also that I also like reading their previews to see if they've spoken to anybody uh, different than that I've spoken to for Vortex which always makes an interesting read 
listeners, quickly, I'm just going to say there's no no nepotism involved or anything. <laughs> I promise. I got a letter in the, in the February issue of Vortex. Just saying. Just saying. How did how did that happen? Hmm. <laughs> well, no. The first thing, there's, I, there's two things I always read first. Um, I flip between them. I always read Lou Stringer first. I always read um, Daft Dimension. Um, Lou's a legend. He's a you know he's a comic book, a, a UK comic comics legend. He's drawn Viz. He's drawn the Beano. He's drawn everything. And I always Alan Barnes does these pages now. This day in. Um, or, or, or this week in, and he'll highlight a year from the past and they're always fantastic they're always really really interesting because yeah, you obviously got mentioned the one recently when it was the that's right when I cast talking about um, they're always really, but this for some reason this month it was buried probably just because it was the anniversary issue I think but it was buried halfway back and I had to hunt for it <laughs> I was unhappy yeah things that I also enjoy Russell T's letter always enjoy a good read of that that's always yeah. interesting to see yes and what Scott Hancock saying as well very interesting to reflect on um, the three modern showrunners' approaches to the letters, because Russell always did his and stuff, and Mr. Moffat would use his to answer, you know, contentious points of continuity or questions that are raised after the, the vagueness of his episodes, and and of course Chris Chibnall would write them occasionally. Yes, absolutely, and I suppose we also get Scott Hancock as well these days doing his yeah. uh, his production yeah. diary, which is lovely. Yeah, his cryptic little production diaries, which I think everyone's going to be going back to once the episodes are actually on and trying to work out what he could have been talking about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So why don't we have a quick pause from our chat and why don't we hear from the man who recently took over as editor of DWM? Hi, I'm Jason Quinn and I'm the editor of Doctor Who magazine. Hi, great to be here. Great to have you here, Jason. And I suppose I should say, happy 600th birthday. You look great for it. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm surprised I'm, I'm looking well on it. it was we, we had a celebration earlier in the week, uh, well, last week. And yeah, it, it went on quite, quite into the early hours. So yeah, it, yes. it, was, it was great fun. I had a few friends who were there. I noticed their pictures and messages the next day. So, yes, it oh, looks right. fun. It looks yeah, fun. No, it was fun, although there was a bit of a hiccup that it was down to me, really. You know, it was, it, so it was a big party for the 600th issue. And there were goodie bags there. Really nice Doctor Who magazine goodie bags. If I can find it amongst all this rubbish. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, look. Look at that. There was... Oh, nice. I know. Nice look bag. A lovely yeah. bag with a logo on it. Yeah. Uh, nice uh, goodie bags. Uh, full of stuff. Oh, you would have loved it. There was all audios. There was... Uh, yes, there was um, a vinyl. There was... Nice. I know. Uh, there were books. There, there was all sorts... One thing missing uh, as we were going through it, the magazines hadn't turned up. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with having uh, our, the party on the actual day uh, the mag came out, um, and that it hadn't reached everywhere. They oh goodness, on a drift in the post uh, or in the car, didn't arrive, and we're like, oh my God, everyone was supposed to get one. I mean, a lot of the people probably already had them anyway, uh, 
from subscriptions if they had arrived. But I was, oh no, there was a mad dash to uh, local uh, stores around Shepherd's Bush to yep. some places there to try and find some. I think we ended up with about five copies there. <laughs> oh dear but i suppose uh, given that you've got um the ultimate job in doctor Who publishing not at all jealous um yeah it's fair to say that to have that job you need to be a bit of a fan and know your stuff yeah i mean i love it i mean i've watched it all my life and being a fan all my life i'm terrible with numbers terrible with all the sort of ins and outs as who did what, who did that. There, I, I have to rely on the others in the team who are much more analytical than me. I, I'm not analytical at all. I'm just, oh yeah, I really like this. In fact, I probably still watch it in the same way that I did when I was four, five, six, <laughs> and just take it all in for the great experience. So, yeah, I, I, I'm an easy crowd when it comes to Doctor Who. You know, I'll just watch it and think, yeah, fab, this is great. And I mean, what I love about it so is you can do anything with it. It's uh, It can be anything. It's not a sci-fi show. It's it's an anything show. It can be absolutely anything. So, yeah, I love monsters. I love going to other planets. I love the historicals. I love and I love the fact that you, you just don't know with each one what it's going to be. And you think, where are they going now? Where are they? That's what's so fantastic about it. So you can be, ooh, it, it never ends, the kind of wonder. And it, it, it's the wonder that you have as a little kid watching it for the first time. Definitely. I'm, I know what you mean by that. It's, there's still that element there now that, I mean, now before the specials came on, I was just like, oh, for goodness sake, can we not just end this? I want to fast forward through the titles. I don't give a I damn know. about Michael McIntyre's big wheel or whatever. I don't give a damn yes. about Michael McIntyre full stop. But yeah, just come on, get onto the show. Get yeah. there. You really want to, oh, come on. Uh, but part of it, part of the fun is the waiting as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so it, it's, for me, it's always exciting. I can never wait to sort of see it. And it's, it's real sort of comfort viewing as well, or comfort watching. It's a bit like having a great big tub of ice cream. Yeah, it, it's one of those things like, you know, if you're, if you're feeling a bit under the weather on a rainy afternoon, especially now with it all appearing on, uh, you know, on iPlayer, so you don't have to dig out your old uh, video cassettes or your, or your DVDs or your Blu-rays. Now you can just, oh, I know, yeah, I'm going to sit and watch that or oh yeah i haven't seen i haven't seen uh you know you know such and such an episode since it came out i'm gonna yep. watch it now yeah the wonders of and the i often find as well even ones i didn't think i liked much at the time quite often then when i go and review i think well, why didn't i like that i actually really like it now or yeah oh 
that's way better than I thought it would be or thought it was back then. Because, I mean, I'm like any anyone else. You know, we all have those ones where you get up in arms and you get cross and you get, what are they doing? What are they? <laughs> you know, no. But um, then again like you know after a lot of water's gone under the bridge uh, a lot of I, I go back to it and i think god i was a bit uh overreactive there that was actually pretty good yeah, yeah i was that in the 90s yeah yeah definitely and i mean well of course then in the 90s there was the, then when the it, when the books came out and the uh and the audio start started I think when there was no TV but I do remember how exciting they were especially after you'd had a few years of nothing and then it was oh great oh this one looks fascinating yeah yeah definitely so who was your first doctor and what was your first story that you remember seeing it's funny I, I the earliest memories of it would be and I'm not sure this is where I need sort of some someone could tell me and this is where a much more analytical person or a much more studious person could tell me which was my first because it's actually probably one of my very earliest memories um there and i do remember but i'm not sure which would have come first and i remember being messing around on the carpet in in the living room there the fire going um or was the fire going that might be an embellishment but watching that the tv on and i remember being fascinated by the cybermats and also clearly not from the same story jamie and running down the uh you know the himalayas and the yeti uh there so Please tell me which one was first. Was it two? Abominable Snowmen would, or Tomb, or it could yeah. be Wheel in Space. So you've got a choice of season five. We can at least go that far. We can narrow yeah. it down to 1967, so, 68. Yes. <laughs> so I would have been, you know, I would have been three, four, yeah, yeah, three. So it's no wonder my memory is a little bit hazy of it. But I do have a very very clear image of the cybermats and cybermats and i was fascinated by them uh i found them much creepier in a way than the cybermen and the you, you know so uh at the time you know so that'd be my earliest one and then i remember then getting um a bit aggy and a little bit oh when I first saw John Pertwee as the new Doctor, when, when because I loved Patrick Troughton uh, uh, as him. I, I'd now I can't remember watching any other of the Patrick Troughton. I clearly did. I would have watched them. My my brother's older than me, and it, we would have watched it every 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 week. Um, but I do remember being no when I saw that he was changing to John Pertwee and again being outraged and no and this would have been, I would have been four or five then um and furious at this of course I I came to love John Pertwee then and and it's his stories then that I remember most clearly uh you know and some fantastic stories from then so it, you know he really did 
become my doctor or the one that I, you know, absolutely loved. But I, I really enjoy, I've enjoyed all of them. But the one, you know, that like I said to you before, you know, things that you see when you're little, those actual memories are the most powerful or, you know, they get you on a kind of gut level. And of course, you know, I was still a kid and loved Tom Baker. In, in fact, I loved his whole alienness. You know, it was, it, he was fantastic. And, but, I think, uh, yeah, definitely for early memories and the, the memories that helped build a love of Doctor Who were definitely Patrick Trenton and John Pertwee. So over the years, have you been involved in fandom around the peripheries, gone to conventions, or you've been more sort of a, a casual fan who's inclined been, to I've, stick around with it? Much more of a casual fan. I mean... I would go occasionally at conventions. I did go years ago because my brother Tim used to uh, do a comic strip called Doctor Who with Dickie Howitt in uh, Doctor Who magazine back in the uh, 80s and early 90s. And he would do it. So he would go quite often to some of these conventions before they got as huge as they are now. But they were, you know, they were the very serious fans that would be there. And I think I must have been at that, at that point, I would have been in my teens. And uh, so I go a few times and think, oh yeah, this is all right. Yeah, this is cool. And then I sort of went through that sort of phase there of, actually it's not really cool. You know, comics and uh, aren't really cool. I only had a short period where I kind of went off it and started thinking I'd be adult and grown up. And then I soon realized that being adult and grown up wasn't really for me. And so I, I went back to it. Uh, and it's quite funny because I, I then, sort of would occasionally go you know to conventions now and again and that but i didn't really get into going to things uh and this is comic conventions more than anything until i was living in india uh and suddenly i started going to the, to the ones over there because they were huge they were and i thought this will be different this will be a bit different from uh the ones in london and and so yeah going to a comic convention in delhi is quite extreme <laughs> yeah that's fantastic i'd imagine yeah. that the guests there would be slightly different from what we get here well actually you get you got quite a few of the the ones from here as well you get quite a lot of the, them you know would i think if they if they were you know they were invited they, they'd think oh Actually, yeah, I've always wanted to go to India or I've never really wanted to go, but here's an opportunity. Let's let's see what it's like. So you would get quite a lot of big names that were big in the States um, as well as, you know, in India, obviously. So, yeah, no, they, they were fascinating to go to. Brilliant. So you mentioned there being in India. Was that part of your career? Maybe tell us a wee bit about your yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've sort of gone all over the place, uh, idiot. So I started off, I studied to be an actor and I was hopeless. You know, I wasn't, I, you know, and I soon realised, ah, oh, can't even get a 
part in the bill. You know, it, it's like, uh, I've had enough of this. And I preferred writing and, you know, or write my own things. So I'd do, we put on plays and stuff around, uh, around home and, and, you know, in the little fringe theatres. And then I got into working for Marvel UK, as it was at the time, not on Doctor Who magazine. You know, I, I w- I've always loved superheroes and, and Spider-Man and all of that. And so I thought, oh, great, I'm, I'm in there. You know, I, I'm going to be working on all the uh, superhero stuff. And my first comic there that I got to edit was Barbie. Um, it was Barbie and Care Bears as well. So Barbie and Care Bears with a few. I, I was in the children, the nursery department, as it was known at the, at the time. Uh, and then I started doing some of the Spidey stuff and things like that. And I, I stayed there with Marvel UK through when it was bought out by Panini and they moved from London down to Tunbridge Wells. And so I was there for that. And then one of the uh, comics we were doing was, there were a lot of licensed properties that we'd do. And one of them was this based on a TV show called Dream Street, which was for little kids. And it was about these toys that come to life in this like toy box world. And the producer of that really liked what we were doing with the comic. And he would get me to read the stories in the comic out to him, but putting on the voices of the characters from the show, so, which were like Russ Abbott and Dave Benson Phillips and people like that. So I'd put on these voices and everyone in the office would be looking over at me thinking, oh God, he's onto that guy again over. And anyway, they asked me to uh, join them and said, look, do you want to uh, come and work with us at Pinewood? And so I left Marvel UK or Panini as it was then to go and work, work at Pinewood Studios thinking oh this is brilliant it's where James Bond's filmed and uh, all of that and the 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 office my office was right next door well it was just down the corridor from um, from Roger Moore oh. uh, he had an office there and also, and you'd bump into him sort of now and again. You'd be get, you'd go to the little kitchen to make a cup of tea, and he'd be just going, "Oh, good morning, hello." And then actually, Sean Connery held the door open for me once. I was coming through with a, a tray load of tea and stuff, and he was like, "Are you coming this way, young man?" Uh, and held the door. He was with Christopher Lee at the time, Christopher Lee. <laughs> Both of them loomed over me because I'm only a little guy. Both of them loomed over me. Sean Connery was sort of smiling blindly as he opened the door. Christopher Lee was looking down his nose sort of at me as though he would eat me uh, <laughs> and looking with disdain at me. And so, yeah, they, they were there. And then Jerry Anderson's office was actually the office next door to ours as well. So it was a great time you know it was it was fab working there and um, so 
I was I was there. Then I went freelance for a while. Went off and and worked on loads of different comics and lived in Spain for a few years before getting the. I was offered a job as the editorial director at Campfire Graphic Novels, which was an Indian comic book company. And I thought, well, fantastic, yeah, let's do this because I'd written a book for them. And they'd invited me over to talk about how I saw the book going with the artists. And so I did. I, I really liked it. I thought Delhi is one of the craziest places on earth. And I thought, oh, this is a bit of it's a bit of a change from the Spanish countryside. Let's uh you know, and I get I love both, but it's quite good to change it up now and again. So that's how I ended up in India for a few years. And now you've got Tunbridge Wells. And uh, and then, yeah, eventually, uh, Panini asked me to come back, uh, said, look, do you want to do, do you want to come back? And uh, I was, yeah, OK, uh, because I mean, much as I loved India and I really did, I, I'd still be there today. If not, for, I kind of think Delhi in the summer is a bit overwhelming it, you can't step out of doors and if you do then you're going to choke on uh, the fumes so i kind of thought oh god another summer there's gonna kill me so that's why i came back and i did then a lot of the different marvel comics that they did and, and ben 10 and things like that and then doctor who adventures when panini got it i did that until eventually then yeah, last summer they asked, would you fancy doing uh, Doctor Who magazine? And I was like, yeah, I mean, when you actually get a chance to actually be working on, you, you, on, I mean, you like most of the things you do, but when you get to work on a magazine that's actually something you really love, then yeah, that's that's so cool and such fun. Yeah, and you yeah. yeah, wow, how lucky am I? And particularly at the time you were joining, when particularly with Russell being back, and of course he's a big DWM fan, so there's good access there through him. And yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, he, he he's been fantastic and given lots, of, and they all have there. They they've all been really really helpful and. You know, they've given us so much access, so much material, so much to talk about. And, you know, and they'll be they'll be just as curious as to what's going in the magazine as we are about what's going in the show. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they'll be so, so what are you going to put in this? What are you going to do? What are you going to do in that? And say, so, well, it all depends what you're going to be <laughs> pushing out then you know can we reveal this can we reveal that uh you know so there's there's a lot of communication and it, it's all been very very helpful and a lot of fun and all very good natured too it's it's what i've liked about them as well is that i've seen everyone there that i've dealt with that they're they love it they love the show they love their job they love what they're working on and that enthusiasm really comes across and you're like oh this is great it's so much better than just this sort of 
cynical or jaded. Oh yeah, no, it's all right. Yeah, which which you immediately saps your energy. <laughs> if if you're dealing with people that are all, you know, hype, you know, they're all hyped about it. Yes, it can be a bit exhausting, and you're like, oh god, let me take a breath. Uh, but at the same time, it's hard not to get really enthused yourself. I suppose the thing is, you've got a great team of uh, experienced writers there on the like the fact you've got people like Ben Cook doing your interviews, then you've got people like yeah. Alistair McGowan doing features and things like that. Who's I'm saying Alistair because he's an old pal of mine. He's he was the first yes. other Doctor Who fan that I ever met because we lived literally around the corner from each other. I met him the other day uh, for the first time. Yep. We actually met face to face. Obviously, you know, you talk to people or you, you know, you, most of it's all through email. So yep. you haven't really even talked. So it was it was my first chance to meet a lot of them the other day. Yeah. And we are so lucky because the writers that we have are great. They really know their stuff and you know they they loved it and you can really rely on them to bring out something great and fresh each time something that'll drop make you feel in the moment yeah so yeah we we're very lucky with that i mean we're lucky on doctor Who magazine as well with uh you know the people that work on it um like mike jones is the art editor of it and you know before that there was perry of course who had worked on it for years and i knew her back when i started there back in the uh, in the 90s yep. and she's fantastic and mike is of course he's tireless and then we've got richard atkinson who worked on the mag years ago as well with tom spilsbury and then went away and he uh he contacted me just sort of after I, I came in and said oh if there's any ever anything uh going uh let me know and it was just at that moment when i was pulling my hair i think oh no peter where's leaving how are we gonna cope without him you know because he'd say no no i'm going in october i'm uh i'm off then and really you know i begged him to stay begged as i was like look come on you know i don't even know half of you know i don't know what i'm doing you can't do this and he said no you you've got his like learn learning to ride a bike he was like mean dad <laughs> uh and uh no he wasn't he was very kind and very helpful but then I was very lucky. I, I, uh, he, he did say, oh, look, Richard's. I said, why don't you ask him? And so we did. And of course, Richard knew the magazine very well anyway. So that was a stroke of luck. Yeah. So we we have got really good team and a good team of writers. And, you know, that's not that we're not always looking for new writers as well and new people come in with ideas and you know uh, but people do say you know how do i get to write for dwm well i just say well pitch us something good <laughs> and if there's room you know if if there's room let's see you know yep 
come back to that. I'll, I'll email you about something later. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I suppose that's the thing is that, you know, post-COVID, of course, there's been a lot of sort of working at home and working remotely. So are you in the office most of the time, given that you're in Tunbridge Wells? I am sort of walking distance to the Panini office, but because I, I have a lot of time on sort of, I, I get a lot of calls there with the BBC and with, and a lot of it's uh, confidential stuff that we can't talk about or or time sensitive. It makes it a bit awkward then if you're in a big open plan office with people and people do, you know, if they sort of go past the screen and see Russell T Davis on the screen, you're gonna, I mean, now I know I would, if I walked past and saw him there on that you'd stop and try and earwing try and lip read wouldn't you and uh yeah. Yeah. former journalist so, of course i would yeah of course so i only go in there sort of a cat i'll go in for meetings and for things like that but i'll tend to work from uh from home most of the time and go there sort of when we need things if i need to discuss stuff or when you know if if there's a meeting yeah i'll go i'll go in but most of the time i'll be doing it from home and mike and richard they don't live near to tunbridge wells so yeah it, it suits them as well so we'll just meet up now and again once a month or so and uh go through things excellent now, of course, you've had a few months to get your feet under the desk, whether in the office or at home. So yeah. I noticed that in the, the, the new issue, we've got aficionados internacionales. And uh, oh, yes. talking about um, the Whovians are saying, please never use the word Whovians as a correct term for Doctor Who fans, because it's not the right word. All Whovians are Doctor I Who know, fans. I'm... Not all Doctor Who fans are Whovians. Oh, my bugbear. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I, I, I do I do get it. And I know loads of people hate it. I I don't like it very much either. It is one of those that always makes me go a bit, ooh, you know, but I'd kind of thought with that, oh, God. I mean, I, okay, I'll confess, sometimes where you've got a lot of the terms. So in an article there or in a feature there that was dealing with Doctor Who fans in different parts of the world, or in this case in Spain, there's only so many many times you can say Doctor Who fans. Don't do that. So I think, though it's been a while since I looked at that piece, uh, <laughs> I think we sort of intersperse it a little bit, but it was more just for another. I mean, you know, I prefer hooligans myself. But uh, yeah, yes, we're in the same club. I do prefer hooligans than, uh, which is what when when I wasn't on the magazine, we always used to call the uh, Doctor Who magazine crowd. The yes, uh, <laughs> especially since they were the least hooligan types. Exactly. <laughs> so, what ideas are we looking for? You know, some new features we can look forward to. You know, that you're looking to introduce or. Oh God! Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, what we've got coming up. Obviously, we've got uh, we're going to have the previews coming so very soon. Uh, not in the next issue, but um, we've got those coming up. 
which are going to be really exciting. I can't wait for us to be doing that and focusing on Shooty's first big season. It's going to be so exciting. And then also then a lot of it is there. We've got we've got interviews coming up with. Hang on. No, you know, I'm getting so mixed up with which issue I'm on. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know your pain. Be, I no, know we're going to be we're going to be looking at the creation of we're going to be talking with the people that actually make the monsters or make the creatures or make the special effects so we'll be looking at those in you know in detail and you know how you can actually make these things not you personally make them we won't be it won't be like a blue peter project <laughs> but unfortunately although i would actually love to be able to make a fully sized dalek and have it here if we could that would be great but i kind of think mine would be hopeless all lopsided <laughs> <laughs> now we have to talk about this magnificent cover and of course i've seen the video and yeah. the thing that i loved in the the finder 600 there was something it reminded me almost like the beano in the days when you'd meet like the beano editorial team and they'd be on a mission to do something in beano town and it struck me as being very akin to that yeah. In a good way. Oh, well, good. I mean, it, it's one of those that you'd love it or hate it kind of uh, things. And I assure you, it wasn't a vanity project. It were, It wasn't me thinking, oh, let's let's have a story all about me. It, it, it wasn't. Although, you know, there is, I know I do appear in there in the magazine more frequently than my predecessors. But part of that was a thing to give the mag for new pe for people coming in and for people there a bit more of. I mean, I, that sounds really big, a welcoming sort of uh, culture. But uh, it it was more to give it a little bit of an identity apart from as a um, as a what what's the right term a kind of a tome. I I wanted it to be accessible to all so that you didn't have to be um a long time hooligan uh yep. great knowledge of the show uh you could have just seen the church on ruby road and then seen the magazine and think oh okay i, I want to know more about that and pick it up and and not feel intimidated and so that's why i kind of wanted to then put a face to not just me but the people that work on the bag and sort of show that, look you know we're just bunch of people having fun with a show we love yeah. and so then with with the photo story which um the, the the reason behind that was mike jones had the idea to to look why don't we put every issue in the tardis if we can get a shoot up there and do that and it'll make a great cover and I was in Puma, I was like, well, it, it'll either be a great cover or it'll be horrible. It'll be, it, 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 it's gonna go one of two ways. It could be fantastic or it could be the worst thing ever. So, okay, if we're gonna do that, let's, we, we've got to give it a try because it's a great idea. 
but let's also get some you know more stuff out of it as well so it's not just if the cover's a complete disaster we'll have still have something and we'll still have a bit of a laugh doing it uh which is what we set about doing and also there with the issue 600 coming up and some people say oh you know it's all about you know it, it's become more about the people making the magazine than the show no every issue is not going to be like that but a 600th issue it's our one chance where actually it is about the magazine and it is about the people that make the magazine because this is you know this is the anniversary issue it's not the 600th episode or 600th year of of doctor who the program this is the 600th issue of the mag so let's blow our own trumpet and let's get as many of the old editors in as possible and let's just celebrate the history of the magazine absolutely that was the reasoning behind it and we were also then lucky that actually the cover did look great and yeah was that your first visit on the set because the console room just looks amazing Oh, it's fantastic. I'd been up once before. Uh, I I had been on, on the set before in November, I think I, I went up there and it is incredible. And just the sheer scale of, of the TARDIS is, and back when I was doing Doctor Who Adventures years ago and I, I went into Peter Capaldi's TARDIS and I thought, oh, this is great. You know, this is huge, but it's tiny compared to uh, Shooty's TARDIS, which is, it just goes on forever. Actually, when we were putting uh, the magazines all over the all over there, we kept getting lost. <laughs> it actually did keep getting lost, even though it's open plan. There's all these little gangways and gangplanks, and we'd take wrong turns, and then I'd see them up there. Like, How do I even get up there? I've just ended up sort of in a totally different place so it, it, it is surprisingly easy to get lost in the TARDIS it just looks amazing it's just a great photo on the cover and just so impressed and just I think it is very in fact it's completely unique that's what I think really really sells it the fact nobody else has got to do that and yeah. probably never will I mean, that's that's what where we're so lucky as well, Doctor Who magazine, in that I think the access they do give us. So, you know, we asked if we could do it and they were like, yeah, the only problem was getting the time to do it when they weren't filming on it. Because, you know, setting that up, it, you know, it wasn't just, oh, look, we'll be in and out in a minute. It, it it took quite a while to set it all up and uh, get it done. So we had to make sure that they weren't filming that day. And it ended up that I think we, we did the shoot. It was only, it was only like, it was less than a week before we had to go to press. Oof. So, oof. yeah, it was, it was really, really close to, uh, to the deadline so this pick didn't exist a month ago as we speak that is incredible no yeah it, it was and i was still you know at that point we were like oh god i hope they I hope they turn out all right or we're gonna have to rethink that cover it's just incredible it's, <laughs> i love it and i imagine that um well it took a while to set it out getting everything tidied up would have taken almost as long to make sure nothing was damaged pulling it all back together 
It did, yeah. It it, <laughs> did, it, it, it it did take ages putting it all back together. I actually, you know, I, I, I'm ashamed to admit it, I sloped off. We actually had to do, um, we had to get a few more photos of um, one of the guys there for one of our interview with the crew feature. So I used that as an excuse to uh, get away from the tidying up. Well, bit and left that to the others. To quote Captain Yates and David Alex, RHIP rank has its privileges. It does, yeah. It. <laughs> I did feel a bit guilty about it, but not that guilty. For half a second, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's fantastic. Because, yeah, it, it preys on your mind. You know, when we were doing it, it was like, oh, God, it's going to take forever to clear up. They actually cleared it up pretty quickly. By the time I'd, well, I made sure by the time I'd finished, it was, pre- I think they were just putting the last ones back in the boxes. Yeah. Well, I'm loving it. It's a, it's a great issue. Lots of fantastic info, brilliant pictures. And, yeah, I'm I'm loving it, and of course the specials keep on going. That's that's Marcus is looking after the specials, isn't he? He You're is. Doing the yeah. regular, you do the regular yeah. magazine. In fact, I think he's just sending one off to press tonight. Oh, that'll be the next. Uh, I spoke special. to him earlier today. And what is it that he? Nineteen seventy-one. Is it that's next? Yeah, I. I'm just a minute, and I will tell you for sure what it is. Uh, Yes, it is 1971. Yes, that's going tonight. So there it's, we go. it's tonight. Well, with a bit of luck. Yes, it's going tonight. It might be early in the morning. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, oh, it's all it's all good. But no, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with the Power of Three. It has been a joy. I wanted to give you a chance to settle in before I got in touch. And yeah, well, thank in. you. So, it's been fantastic and it's a good occasion because of course everyone should pop out and get their DWM because it's a bargain and a half the price at 10.99 this issue well uh, yeah I, <laughs> it it's a fun issue it is but then they're all fun issues come on that's very true and hey <laughs> it's only uh, eight more years till uh, issue 700 so you better get your thinking I know, for that come can't wait for that yeah what are we going to do for that uh <laughs> and also yeah hey we haven't mentioned the strip in there the strip has been oh, great uh, we love the strip yes uh, wonderful art and just great storylines and i think um with lee sullivan and alan barnes a winning combination particularly after liberation of the daleks i know you did think after that oh how are they going to follow that and yeah that i'm loving this mancopolis story it's you know and i still don't know how it ends so but i love that story (laughs) it's it's one of the first things i turned to because liberation of the daleks when that was ongoing that was the first thing i would turn to and and of course i bought the graphic novel compilation we even did a podcast special on it a few months back as part of the 60th celebration he said 40th gosh my mind's in 2003 um so yeah yeah, we did an episode celebrating that and uh we had leon for a chat as well so yeah it's long may it continue because it's such a great part of ongoing doctor and gives us a wee story until the new series returns in may it does yeah yeah the strip is always the first thing i look forward to as well in that well the strip and i actually love russell's letters oh yeah 
and I like the reviews as well. I always like to see what they say about the big finish reviews because it's my pals who tend to write these things. So always interesting yeah. to see what's said and disagree sometimes with some people. Yeah. But, but that's the wonder of reviews. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is. Jason, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been great. Well, there you go, Dave. Fascinating facts there. After all, Tim Quinn. There's the one that you never saw coming. No. I didn't. What's that about? Tim Quinn and Dickie Howe? Other, you know, some other UK comics legends. I mean, look, let you know, I, keep, I keep talking about Lou Stringer best because he's great. We have to try and get Lou on at the show. Tim Quinn and Dickie Howe, you know, obviously they did, you know, Doctor, your Doctor Who, question mark, sort of funny strip for years. The best one ever, right? And this, this is stuck in my head for decades. Um, it's the first doc- it starts off with the first doctor and Stephen, and the doctor's saying, hmm, Yes, my boy, I feel sure that the, the meddling monk is behind everything that's going on. Um, why do you think that, doctor? Well, because we're on this Viking longboat in the year, blah, 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 in the final panel, and ABBA are doing the, in- the sort of in flight entertainment, and you, it's like you see them, <laughs> their guitars and stuff, and the music, you know, Dancing Queen, something, something that, you know, and it was just like, <laughs> lol. And they always say they used to do strips for um, the Marvel UK superhero magazines as well. There's an old strip they used to do called Channel 33 and a Third. So many laughs from from Tim Quinn over the years and Dickie Howitt. So that's amazing. I had no idea that Jason was related to him. That's really cool. Yeah. And as we've just heard, heard the story about creating the cover, what a fantastic cover. I love it. I, I really think it's funny. It's, it's funny no. and it's witty and it's just got you looking at them going oh yeah. there's that one there's that one oh yeah there's that one yeah I was really impressed that it wasn't I just the first time I saw it on the socials I just assumed it was like a digital creation yep. you know they got um, Lee Binding or Tom Houston or someone to sit down and do it but no that's the whole thing and the, and the supplement is obviously the adventure of going there to, to lay them all out and take it it's glorious it's a lot of fun it's, it's, it's nice it's very very nice and I was I was kind of going oh I can't see that issue and I couldn't I wouldn't which ones were sort of I don't know if it was, was it done randomly or did they pick certain ones to, to have down the front? So it seemed there was quite a lot of Tom Baker. And I was like, I don't see enough Pertwee, I don't see enough Davison. But that's just. <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at it now and I've seen, I'm spotting different ones that I hadn't spotted before. I've just spotted the sort of McGann, the Paul McGann interview, sort of holding mm-hmm. the, crystal, the time, key to time crystal yeah. type thing up and hidden away in the staircase. But yeah, wouldn't that have been a great photo shoot to be involved in? Did you see, did you see the. Um, <clears throat> The inside back cover, the sort of infographic thing they do, and they break down which doctors had appeared on the most covers. Yes. That? Yeah, that was really interesting. That was quite surprising. Yes. The fact that the seventh and the tenth were both had the same number. Mm-hmm. That is just yeah. fascinating. I thought Matt, Matt Smith would have been on more, so that was quite Yeah, only 31. Yeah, that was quite interesting. And JNT, of course, being a one off. Yeah. his own cover to himself yeah yeah. But yeah I love that kind of thing I love those things I think it's Simon Guerrier that does those isn't it mm. yes it is I'll be honest sometimes I don't understand them sometimes I can't figure them out and I'm just going what no don't know <laughs> that's quite an easy one quite an easy one yeah I think well, quite <laughs> I've um, I'm still somebody who likes to purchase it off the shelf because I like to get my cover taglines because I just like seeing Whoa the content this is the interesting thing when um when dt came back as the as the the um, i'm losing count now he's the 14th doctor and 
I actually bought the, the what we in the comics trade call. I bought the newsstand cover as well because I mm -hmm. had the cover line. David Tennant is the Doctor, and the sub cover was just plain, no cover line at all. And there was quite, I saw quite a lot of uh, on the social, which is a, a West Central Scotland phrase for people complaining. <laughs> quite a lot of people complaining on the socials that the sub cover didn't have. You know, David Tennant. I want David Tennant to come. So when Shooty's first cover after he took over, which I think was one just before Christmas, um, the sub cover had the had the cover line. Shooty got where's the doctor? Um, kind of the rest of the cover lines that the the one in the shops would have had, but it still had that. So I'm sure probably somewhere someone was complaining of the fact that it wasn't a clean cover and that it did it did have the cover line. You know, people are never happy. No, um, they really are. It's a real thing. The good thing about Doctor Who, you know, is the people that work on it are just like, and a lot of folk have worked on it over the years, and a couple of the people from you know we've had on the show in the past and all that, and a couple of folk we'd like to have on, <coughs> Alan Barnes. <laughs> I don't think there's ever been a period when the magazine hasn't been the best it could possibly be. You and I talk quite often about the '90s when there wasn't a TV show, and I you know, made the sweeping statement that we didn't need a TV show in the '90s because we had the books and we had Doctor Who magazine and. We were all quite happy, to be honest, because the magazine, they got to a point where it was like, it was doing some, especially in the 90s, some real in-depth research stuff, and that carried on, you know, proper, solid writing, and that carried on well into the 2000s. Stuff about audience research and, you know, themes and 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 characters and stuff, and it was always, it was always a good read, and it's always, it's interesting looking back and seeing how it's kind of evolved and ebbed and flowed with the with the, the way the, the fandom has because obviously for a while there there was there was features on um regular features on cosplaying because that's something that's become you know a much bigger part of fandom than when you and I first got got into it all and there've been the various time team efforts which I think inspired a lot of people mm -hmm. to watch the series all the way through from the start I mean I I did I've been I started mine in 2008, I think finished in 2012 or 2013, and, and keep meaning to start doing it again. Um, I've just started a rewatch of, of the original Quantum Leap, so that's going to take me a, a couple of months. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I have no doubt that once a few more animation DVDs come out, I'll go on with it. Um, and you, I think the magazine kind of put the idea in the head, but it's, it's. I don't think it's given them enough credit, really, for for just being such a stable permanent thing that it's always sort of been I mean I, we're talking about issue 87 being the first one that I read you know open inverted commas regularly I was 11 I'm 51 in four weeks you know and that's a long time man and boy you know to be to be um you know to be reading this man it's, it's been with me like not quite my whole life but certainly my whole adult life and a, a good long time before it Mm -hmm. And it's quite a precious thing, and, I'm, and it's good that even after all this time, it still gets the access. It still has the most. What's the word I'm thinking of? When it comes to news and stuff, you don't get a lot of idle speculation. It's just the facts, ma'am, and nothing less. You know, yeah. it's 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 reliable. There's even even stuff like the crossword and the competitions and stuff. You know, it'd be terrible if we lost it. It really would because it's been there for you know, as I say, the dark times when we didn't have a TV show and. And all that, and it's it's great that it's still going after six hundred issues of anything. It's amazing. Yeah, it took Action Comics. Let me try and work this out. It took Action Comics about fifty years to get just still were fifty years to get to issue six hundred. So Doctor Who magazine's got there a little bit more quickly. 
obviously just because it was weekly at the start and obviously and that was the thing that I hadn't realised the sort of supplement with the, the new issue um, I hadn't realised how long ago it was that it shifted to four weekly yes it's it's about it's over 30 years since it shifted to you know and here's a, here's a random thing that enters into my head the day I had to go to Glasgow I didn't have to but the day I went to Glasgow to buy a shirt and a new pair of shoes for my six year leavers dance it was another Zygon issue that had been March, March 1991 it turned up a week early for some reason Virgin had it a week earlier <laughs> than it was supposed to be out. and that, that's, that brings a whole lot of other stuff flooding back like how we got to Glasgow after school you know if we didn't have classes in the afternoon and go up to, up to FP to buy Doctor Who magazine and Envision and I just go and sit and wimpy and devour them, you know. It's uh, it's just it's like a, it's like if you're if you're a Doctor Who fan of a certain age, it's like a vein just running through all your memories, your associative memories. It's so much fun just looking back at old covers and saying, "Oh, I remember that one. I remember that one. I remember that." I remember seeing a cover with a box of Balhoon and just going, "Oh no, <laughs> what was going? On? Oh no!" But didn't have to worry, you know. Yeah. Do you remember the um, when they started the first few times they did you know variant covers like just after Stolen Earth where you could get one with the Torchwood crew or you could get one yeah. with one of the Doctor and all that and there was one anniversary year I think I, think, I can't remember if it was it might have been 20 years of the magazine it was either Tom Baker Circa City of Death cover or a picture of Paul McGann you know that was the and then when Enemy of the World and Web of Fear came back you know there was there was variant you could get one or the other you know it's fun when they do that sort of stuff when when the um, I think it when I think it was when Flux was out and in the, the in the shops you could buy. I think the covers had like Suntarans. Um, I can't remember what else. Can't remember what else. But the subscription one was a Weeping Angel, and oh, that that was fun. You know, there's always stuff like that. It's just Doctor Who magazine to me is really is, is as important as the program itself. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking. Someone, well, someone with a sore throat. I'm doing a heck of a lot of talking tonight. You've done very well. You've done very well. <laughs> I was I was thinking that one of my favourite features was Johnny Morris's one on the NVLA, the National Viewers and Listeners Association, yes. and speaking with their modern counterparts and showing them various clips that Mary Whitehouse had complained about. And then right at the end, Johnny stuck in a rattle uh, just to get the reaction set. And the guy saying, well, this would be really terrifying for the children being a large green monster. And it's the, <laughs> it's the Alec Proboscis. And yes. uh, Johnny obviously taking the piss, but oh, it was brilliant. <laughs> and uh, yeah. they didn't realise, but I just thought it was wonderful. That sort of thing yeah. makes me laugh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's always fun. Every so often when, I, when I've got issues to put away, and when I was posting all my, um, when I was posting, running that Instagram account last year and I was posting the the covers of comic books that had the names of Doctor Who novels on them, I was using magazines of the relevant Doctors as the sort of the backing for each comic that I was posting. So I've got a pile that I need I need to put away. And I know that when I, when I get around to it, it'll take me ages because I'll just be flicking through old issues and reading old features and sort of sitting and... You know, and rereading stuff like that one you were saying about Johnny. But do you, me- do you remember when like Gary Gillett did the thing? He showed some kids. I think Terror of the Zygons. Yeah, and then they they showed them the TV movie as well. That was brilliant. And it turned out years later that one of those kids was like was like Mick Jagger's son. Yeah. <laughs> Mental. Just, yeah, I wish he wasn't allowed to mention at the time. Yeah, just fantastic. Yeah, I mean that's the sort of thing. It's. It is tapping into like the popular culture. I mean, they did that soap opera themed issue, and getting interviews with people like Dot Cotton or June Brown, I should say, the late yeah. June Brown, 
Uh, Rudolph Walker, great interviews. Really, really well done. I don't. I used to. I remember as well. Like the it was. I think it was mainly. They haven't done it for a long time. But in the two thousands, um, I think it was Gareth and Clayton who would do them. The, the sort of space time telegraph, which was like a page oh, of like sort Yeah, and they always used that fo- that photograph of you know the same two people cuddling with a cat. You know stuff like um, study finds. You know was it was it like or parallel universe found for um. Uh, time spent as a Doctor Who fan was actually spent. I can't remember. It was another, uh, doesn't matter. But there was you know the one like Doctor Who discovers Radiohead or <laughs> New Constellation found Doctor Who fandom on strike. You know the army were having to produce an emergency range of full cast audio dramas, stuff like that. You know, very pointed, very very affectionately pointed satire. And um, I remember literally peeing myself laughing. I was in London of all places. I think Joanna and I were doing one of our Shakespeare trips, and they did like Doctor Who's family tree so um and it factored in like the cast of the TV mo- the, the Dalek movies so you had Tom Campbell married to Menzies Campbell and his kids are like Campbell's stuff <laughs> and it was just you could totally tell Gareth had written it it was hilarious that was a, a good thing about it as well it's always had a, one eye sort of you know sort of saying we know how silly all this is that we're spending all this time on this TV show yeah which is great but that's the thing then again what are we doing and what have we been doing for the past four or five years on this podcast exactly gee whiz gee whiz <laughs> jinx crimson oh, hell well there we go so I think it's fair to say that we can say happy birthday Doctor Who magazine yes happy 600 issues well done we'll be back in in um, a few hundred years to <laughs> to celebrate your 600 maybe whoever take maybe whoever takes on power of three after we've shuffled off this mortal coil can and keep it going can can reconvene for the you know the ten thousandth issue or something <laughs> i'll have to leave the uh the contacts book behind yes gift it to That's... somebody in my will yeah <laughs> anyway dave thank you so much but before we go yes what are we playing out with i don't know it's got to be something it's got to be something to do with magazines isn't it what what are you thinking about well I was thinking there is, of course, Doctor Magazine. It's, it's quite sparky. Would you say it's, it's quite a lot of spark to it? Because I was thinking, probably having spoken to Jason Quinn, editors and all sparks, which is a track of what. No, like. I no, I think I think what we need is the. I think now that you've mentioned it, it's screamingly obvious. Um, I have some sheet music by the band on the wall behind me. Just up, just I'll tilt the camera so that our YouTube viewers can see. Semi-detached to Bourbon, Mister James. You used the song title as the headline on February's Vortex. Another plug for Vortex. I cannot wait for this Six Doctor anniversary story that's coming out. We've got to have the Mighty Quinn by Manfred Mann. Of course we do. Of course we do. As a thanks to Jason for giving us his time and letting us ramble on for ages. Absolutely. Let's hand over to the Manfred. Good to see you, Dave. You too, Ken. Be good. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Everybody's in
Everybody's gonna jump for joy Come on without 